thanks for dialing in to Solving for B, the podcast where experts exchange ideas and analysis across the branding spectrum. This week, we take a look at the NCAA brand. We'll discuss public perception of the organization and how recent events have impacted their brand image. We hope you enjoy this latest installment of Solving for B with Brand Extract. Hello, and thanks for joining us today for the Solving for B podcast. I'm really excited for today's topic because it's inspired by one of my favorite events on the planet, the Final Four. What we're talking about today is the NCAA. Other than the Final Four, they've been in the news a lot in recent months, and, and mostly for, uh, for reasons organizations would not want to be in the news. Uh, there have been FBI investigations, endless debates about paying players, and even talk of boycotting the Final Four. Uh, so to help me de- deconstruct the NCAA brand and all that's happening, uh, I'm joined by senior writer and voice of the podcast, Jeff Lane. Uh, hello. Happy to be here. And, Lifelong uh, sports junkie, by the way. I think this is right up my alley. <laughs> Let's hope so. Uh, and as well as a uh, podcast mainstay, CEO of Brand Extract, Bo Bodie. Go Red Raiders. Bummer. <laughs> I'm, I'm still bummed they lost. Hey, look, Let's get after it. <laughs> Okay, so uh, according to the NCAA website, um, the NCAA is is a member-led organization dedicated to the well-being and lifelong success of college athletes. The main functions of the organization are to interpret and support member legislation, run all championships, and manage programs that benefit student-athletes. So my first question, and I guess where we'll dive in, is uh, how do you think the NCAA is doing when we judge them against their stated purpose? The, the challenge here is perception versus, you know, their stated purpose, right? I mean, right. Many people don't understand what the NCAA is. I'm going to be like the lone voice in the wilderness and say, man, I think they're doing a great job. Um, they, it is almost impossible when you think about it um, to manage an organization that manages, you know, a thousand over a thousand different cultures. Mm-hmm. Each of those universities that they manage each of those university sports, each of the coaches of each of those sports and each of those universities. And when you start to layer those things on top of, and then the expectations of the kids and then the expectations of the parents and the expectations of the administration, and they have no control over that. Um, so their job is to provide rules that at least level the playing field as much as possible. Um, and I think, quite frankly, they they do a great job. I don't understand how they work. I don't understand where the money goes. I don't follow all that stuff, but that's not my job. My job is to enjoy college sports and ensure that, you know, their job is to ensure that these athletes get the most out of their college experience. Wow. Um, I was prepared to disagree with you 100%, Bo. I mean, as a sports junkie and a lifelong, you know, lover of the the passion of college sports, um, the NCAA has always been this big, you know, bureaucratic mafia like type at least that's that was their reputation right, right? Pres- and anytime any, right. anytime anything goes wrong um, it's those big bad NCAAs and if my team gets put on probation they're awful and if the other team you know the rival team doesn't get put on probation they're awful it's so easy to, to you know to beat up on the NCAA and I think it would probably be sexier a sexier podcast if I argued with you and told you that they were <laughs> so awful and we really got into it um, I never thought in my 50-plus years I would be find myself defending the NCAA <laughs> in, this, in this particular instance. So, um, I, you know, I, but I, I feel like that uh, a lot of the problems that we have are, are beyond them. Um, I mean, I think um, 
as flawed as the NCAA is, and it has been, you know, simply mm-hmm. because it's so big and it's responsible for Definitely so much. Made mistakes. Um, it's an easy target for countless groups. Okay, and uh, what's wo- what's more, while there are many many parties that feed off of, in fact, leech off of college sports, none of those parties are willing to admit, you know, complicity in either the scandals, you know, that have been ongoing or the ones that are in the headlines now. I mean, and and I'm talking about whether you're talking about coaches, or you're talking about the athletes, you're talking about certainly alums and fans who expect so much expect unreasonable things from their universities and from their sports teams. Um, and all of that uh, fuels the desire to cut corners or to, to, you know, violate things or to, you know, take advantage of any loophole or any opportunity that they can. And I think everybody's plays a role in that. It isn't just some, it isn't just the organi- uh, organization that's supposed to police all of that stuff, you know? So I think, um, I think we need to be a little bit fair. And in fact, if there's a, if there's something that the NCAA is, uh, where they're failing or falling down on is is maybe it's not they're not clear enough and open enough and public enough about what they actually do um, and what their challenges are. Maybe they maybe a little bit more needs to be spent on that, um, so that we you know because they are kind of faceless. Maybe they need a face. Maybe they need and it's not just whoever the president is, you know that it there needs to be a persona there and people need to have a better relationship. The the public needs to have a, maybe a better relationship with what the NCAA is and what they do. Um, and then maybe there needs to be more participation on, you know, from all of these other groups. Yeah. So I'll be the voice of the uh, of, of, of Joe Public here and, and say that there, you know, that there are things that I think, while, while I, there are some aspects I do agree with you guys, um, I think there are some things that they could clean up. I mean, uh, just briefly, and I didn't realize this, but um, in 1906, whenever the NCAA was founded uh, by Teddy Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt, <laughs> um, the the this, the purpose of the the formation of the NCAA was uh, to protect student athletes from dangerous exploitive practices. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be argued that they're not doing that by having these nefarious agents in there taking money uh, from kids or putting, you know, lending all this money to kids and, and expecting, and, you know, expecting something back if they make it to the next level and things like that. So I guess um, I agree with your point that, you know, it's not necessarily completely clear what um, the NCAA does. They, you know, a lot of people don't understand the mission purpose of that. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any, particular uh, messages you think get lost or that they should maybe um, they should maybe hammer home a little more or, or get be more vocal about well I think first of all you have to you know let's talk a little bit about you know the enormity of that challenge you know that might have been a simple statement back then but it's way more complicated I mean what Bo we were talking about this the other day something like 1100 uh Member institutions, Member, you know, universities and colleges, a uh, hundred conferences, you know, uh, thousands upon thou- tens of thousands of, yeah, hundreds of, of thousands athletes, athletes competing yeah. in all of these championships um, for different levels. It is very complicated. I mean, you know, the the NCAA tournament, the basketball tournament, for example, uh, when I was a kid falling in love with sports in the seventies, I think the the NCAA tournament had. What maybe thirty-two teams 32. at the time in the mid seventies or whatever. Now it's sixty-four plus play-in games, <laughs> and the uh, 
the selection of those teams every year for that for that big tournament is very controversial. There's a lot of lobbying and publicity that goes into that. Um, there's a, a hue and outcry and conspiracy, and the NCAA gets beat up when that selected committee chooses this team over that team. I mean, you know, there's so much competition, and then, of course, there's so much money involved in that because teams that make it, those universities get money and they don't. Um, kids who make it, are in the spotlight that ultimately helps their future if they're going to have if they're going to play basketball beyond that so I mean there's a lot riding on this and uh, you know so I I think it's a it's a real simple statement what their original goal was maybe they need to revisit that maybe it needs to be a little bit more complicated maybe the NCAA needs to come out and say look we need help we need help uh, dealing with some of these issues. Instead of, you know, we just get the same old arguments. Well, universities exploit these kids, um, so they should be able, allowed to be paid more. Um, okay, that's a fair statement. But there's, you know, what happened to, you know, a scholarship? You know, that has, there's a dollar value that's put to that. And isn't this the land of opportunity? Is it the land of guaranteed riches? I mean, these are complex problems, and we need to uh, tackle, the, uh, tackle these in a productive way. And I think all we do now is people just take shots. Mm-hmm. Right. right, and I think I think bringing that back to I mean, the general purpose of our of our conversations, it, it kind of it's not not bringing back, but kind of formulating that into a thought around brand. Mm-hmm. You know, w- what does an organ? You know, what has the NCAA done or not done? You know, to help us understand how they help the athlete, how they help the student, right? Because at the end of the day, it's not just about supporting the you know the universities and their money making machines, if that's really what they are. Because it seems like, though football may make a lot of money, you know, women's lacrosse doesn't, you know. But the NCAA has made and helped to build a platform where women and men in sports other than major sports can enjoy athletics in an academic environment. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, you know, maybe even get some scholarship money. Because, you know, to be honest, you know, full rides aren't that prevalent in college baseball. I mean, a lot of those athletes are on quarter rides, half rides. They're not on full scholarship. But I think the assumption that people have, back to communication, is that, you know, there's all these scholarships and all this money, and the vast majority of these kids, to their commercial statement, are going to go pro in something else. I love those commercials. No, I think they're Mm -hmm. great. I think the problem is they they may be too conceptual. They may be too subtle. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, I think they're great commercials if everybody understood fully what the NCAA did. Yes. And, and I think, you know, that's one that's a trap that people I think walk into with their brand is they assume that once they're known, everybody knows the NCA. I mean, even people that don't care about sports ball. Sorry, <laughs> it's a reference in the office here. Um, anybody that doesn't they, that maybe not even cares, they know what the NCA is. They may not understand what it does, but they know what it is. I bet you 90 percent, even the ones that are big college fans don't really understand the core purpose of the NCAA. They don't no. really understand the mission of the NCAA. They don't even really understand what it's supposed to be doing. And so they're running they're running messaging that is very targeted and very well done without a full understanding of what the brand is really supposed to stand for. And that's I that can really cause a problem because then you still leave it to your audience's mind as to what they're doing and then the media and everybody takes it out and one person, you know, mm-hmm. loses their scholarship and and gets something that they shouldn't get and it's all of a sudden everybody's doing it. Right. You know, and that's uh, you know, how do you protect a brand in that and you can't if people don't fully understand what you do. Mm-hmm. Well, I think some of it comes back to is, is 
you know, we want to trust our brands. We want, you know, we want to understand it. We want, we, you know, the NCAA, I think, is guilty of um, being, I think it's overstating it, saying they operate in the shadows. But more often than not, you hear these investigations of these big program violations. Uh, the first one that popped in my head just now was uh, the University of Miami a couple years ago. Uh, there's one right now happening for uh, the University of Louisville. It's like they'll go away for three years and come back with a punishment, and there's not... It, there's no, there's no like PR involved in it. There's no, it, it's just here's your punishment. Here you go, or there's maybe this, you know, maybe there is some document out there that outlines all of it, but it's 200 pages long and it talks about, you know, uh, all this stuff that's just fluff. They don't have anybody um, other than, you know, the only, the only person Jeff you talked about, um, the president earlier. The only person I know uh, of, of the NCAA, and I would consider myself a, a pretty big college sports fan, um, across spectrums, not just football, not just basketball, not just baseball. I, I follow the NCAA a fair amount. The only person I know in the NCAA is Mark Emmert. And other than that, I mean, that's, that's a, you know, that's a, a multi-million, if not billion dollar company. Um, there's not many other brands that I would say that I'm a fan of, um, that I only know have one person, or that you know they have that minimal of a, of a PR slash outreach. Right. Um, so I think there is something to not being, or at least not appearing transparent. It's like they go behind the curtain, they do their thing for three years, they come out, and here's your result. And it's like, well, we there's there's nothing involved. Well, and and I bet a lot of the uh, a lot of that stuff that happens that isn't in the public eye is because they're worried about their perception. Mm-hmm. They're worried about the image. So, so the things that we're talking about here, the, you know, the, the image of the brand that is dictating a lot of their behavior. It's just, are they handling it the right way? Are they doing it the right way? So maybe if, if some of those things were a little bit more in the open, I imagine it's complicated. I mean, I uh, uh, the members of uh, the people that work for the organization, the NCAA, the people that are in committees that make decisions um, and and make rulings on whether or not a university or is is, inel- is punished or athletes are ineligible. Those people, where do those people come from? Do they just come in off the street? Or are they some third party, you know, that that comes in, or are they members of the universities who are, you know, we're talking about? So it isn't as simple as just like, oh yeah, um, you know, you you jaywalk and you're fined this amount. You know, it's it's probably a lot more complicated than that. And, you know, maybe people need to understand that that's how complicated that is. And then we wouldn't be just, we wouldn't just react. We wouldn't just have an outcry when, when, you know, the NCAA makes a ruling and, you know, our university is punished in some way and then we're upset about it and we say, oh, well, they're unfair. Well, we don't know because we don't know how any of that process works. So I think you're right about that. If, if maybe things were a little bit more transparent, maybe, uh, maybe that perception, you know, we, we wouldn't be guessing. Yeah, it, know a little more. it feels like they're almost. You mentioned, you know, that they're they're worried about the perception of the brand. It feels like they're almost honestly, too concerned with it. Where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, we just don't want to screw up. We don't want to, you know. Maybe it's because they've been bashed a thousand times, and they're always the. You said it, you know, in pre-show prep, um, that they've been the whipping boy for years and years. Well, it's just so easy. It's like the mafia or the government. Or, or just they, you know, anybody, anybody's just upset about something can talk about, you know, they can just throw out the government, you know, the government's doing this, or, you know, it's the mafia, you know, who we don't know anybody about, you know, we don't know anyone in that organization, or, or it's just, you know, the NCAA, we don't know who's, it's just this big thing out there. And it's an easy target for anyone. Right. Well, I think that, I mean, the challenge is, 
you know, from researching this prior, and I'm, I'm just looking back at it, my notes, um, you know, the NCA in 2017 took in a billion dollars. I mean, that's, yeah, that's yeah. bigger than a lot of the companies we brand, mm-hmm. you know. Um, they, their net income off of that and their surplus, you know, has been anywhere from 44 million to, to 80 million. That's a lot of money, you know, but they're, mm-hmm. they're managing 90 different championships across all these universities, across all these different sports. I mean, I, I didn't look in the details. I don't look more in the details, but, you know, they make money off of in a lot of places. Um, what do they need to do to support? And so could you beat up the brand a little bit in that, well, they make, they got an extra $80 million this year. Couldn't they hire 20 more people to do, you know, um, you know, compliance work? Mm-hmm. You know, couldn't they hire another people to do investigations, that kind of stuff? But is that their job? I mean, at the end of the day, is that what the NCA is supposed to do? They're supposed to make the le- the playing field level. They're sp- sp- supposed to provide support for those things. But shouldn't the university really be policing themselves? I mean, are the universities the ones slacking? Again, I'm not beating up the universities. I'm just saying that... No, those are fair you know, questions, though. Should, you, where does the line stop, right? And so if you purport yourself, if you're not specific from a branding standpoint about what you do and what you don't do and who you are and who you aren't, you know... And then you add on top of it a brand that makes that much money, you know, that, you, that you're already 24% of the population is not going to trust you. Mm-hmm. You know, at that point, who else isn't going to, if you're not transparent, right, if you're mm-hmm. not honest. And I, they, they are pretty transparent. They share all their dollars and money. You can get in and dig in and see how much they're making and how much mm-hmm. they're not. You know, that said, when your executive's making millions and millions and millions of dollars, uh, I mean, that's kind of a corporate trust thing. You know, so how does that affect mean. the brand? Is it worth it? You know, they're, they're, these are like society arguments and discussions that we're having here. But again, do people really understand fully the value of the brand, the value of the brand in the marketplace? If it weren't there, that's the other question. You know, right. Like, okay, let's let's use that test. You all coordinate these yeah. tournaments and these <laughs> games and these championships. And you, you go Divvy ahead up and do the that. money. Yeah. Um, what, yeah. You figure that out yourself. Deals. That's, you know, getting back to those commercials that they do, which we – you know mm-hmm. these student athletes who talk about what they get out of these sports and what it what it gives them, um, and it uh, you know aside from enabling them the opportunity to get an education, uh, you know that's really romantic and passionate. I, I wonder if you know the media buys for those commercials are big enough. You know so that, you know we don't see them all the time. We see them occasionally, um, but I'm wondering too if there isn't a, a bigger message, and that is that you know. Um, we're all in this together. I remember a couple of couple of examples. Uh, the NFL, um, there was a time when one of the owners was making kind of deals on the side, uh, to, you know, to, with uh, concessions and things of that nature right. uh, years ago. And the other owners were, wait a minute, we have deals with these other companies. And and this owner said, you know, I'm a businessman. I'm going to make the best deal for me. And, and they had to remind him that actually you're part of this larger entity. And if you don't like that, we'll have you, you, you know, you'll be on your own uh, having exhibition games and you Oof. won't be a part of this anymore. And the point was is that we're all in this together. This is a large group. Last year... Um, Phil Mickelson was in an interview being asked about Tiger Woods and, and you know, the, his relationship with Tiger Woods. And he says, you know, let me tell you about Tiger Woods. Um, we are all grateful for Tiger Woods because we're all in this. He was talking to the interviewer who was a member right. of the media, and he was saying, hey, you know, um, you, me, 
uh, all of these tournaments, anyone who sells equipment, we're all part of this big thing called golf, and we all make our living from it, and we all benefit, you know, from Tiger elevating everyone. But the larger point is, is that we're in this together. And I'm wondering if the NCAA can't come out and say, "Hey, here's here's what we do. Here's a better idea of what we do, whether that's through commercials or." Uh, social media that leads them to the to a website that you know kind of outlines and humanizes the things that they do uh, for students and student athletes and then you know there might be a message that could could be to the fans and the alums out there and say hey what are you doing to help this out and oh would you like to help make this thing better pick up a shovel let's go you know maybe there needs to be a little bit more of that because we are all in this together whether we're a fan whether we're an athlete whether we're a coach an alum, whether we're a sponsor, hoping to make money off the whole thing, and, you know, how's the NCAA supposed to police all that? Um, I think if they maybe there's a bigger picture here, and again, like you're saying, a little more transparency, let's, let's, tell, let's let people really know what we're up against and what we do, and then invite more people to participate. So that then it isn't just a combative thing and we're just taking cheap shots at each other. I, I think that back again to brand, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I mean, what does it stand for? You know, what do we perceive it to stand for? And then co-branding, right? I mean, that's the other piece to this. And right now, their brand association are the universities. Universities are on the, they're getting beat up right now. Mm-hmm. You know, college costs are dry, going skyrocketing. The, you know, the loans and, you know, all the different things that are going on. Politicians you know, are saying, hey, What's the value of an education anymore? Right. I mean, th- there's all those things that are happening that end up, they don't have control over that, that discussion. So they need to manage their own, cons- their own discussion. You know, we, we always had, a, we always had a, um, a thing we talked about in all of our pitches when we first started, and it, it slowly moved out because I think people kind of get it. But, it, you know, you don't, you don't own your ban- brand, you manage it. You know, you, 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 technically, legally, you own it. Right. But the minute that someone on SB Nation or someone on Huffington Post decides to take ownership of your brand and say something, how much goodwill have you built up over a period of time? How much negative have you let just go because you haven't addressed it? Um, How much have you worked to communicate and, and help someone understand the value of your organization, the value that you provide society or or the world, or some other people. I mean, what what are you doing now to manage your brand in the future? Because mm-hmm. somebody is going to say something negative. Then you you take an organization. I mean, when you look at their expenses, five hundred sixty million dollars of that billion dollars goes right back to the Division One schools, just Division One schools. Ninety three million goes to um, championships, NITs, all that kind of stuff. Uh, 42 million goes to D- Division Two distributions and championships. 28 million goes to Division Three. 181 million is association-wide programs, you know, and then so pretty transparent, right? And 38 million goes to management and general costs. Yeah, you know, whatever that is, right? Uh, netting 80 million, let's call it. And they net, then they end up netting 80 million or 100 million or I think it was 122 was the biggest net they've ever had. You know, okay. I mean, when you're talking about scale, you're talking about an entire country of universities mm-hmm. and a whole network of crazy stuff. Meh, it's about the right profit level. Seems like it. It isn't. I mean, it's not for profit. So what do they do with that money? 
Or do they save it for a rainy day? Do they save it for a year that the, the you know, much of this money, it's hilarious, like tons of this money is generated from the Final Four television contract. So, and, and the things that go around that, all the different things that go on. So what happens when, you know, no, no, no knock on Loyola, but the fan base isn't massive, Four Loyolas make the Final Four. I mean, they got to have some money for rainy day. You know, the <laughs> national championship game isn't watched by anybody because it's mm-hmm. Texas Tech and, I mean, I love Texas Tech, <laughs> and no, no knock on USF and USF. You know, I mean, the fan bases are massive, but the national interest isn't. And how do you manage an organization that big, manage the money that goes into it, manage the people, the expectations, and all those kind of things? And I think, you know, a little bit of what Jeff was talking about is over time you have to do it. It's mm-hmm. not something you can all of a sudden run a TV commercial. You know, it's got to right. be multiples. I mean, Geico right. does the best, right? I mean, they, they hit different audiences with, you know, funny and serious, and you know, they try different things. They have three different types of campaigns running at any one time. We've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. Um, that allows them to talk to their different audiences in different ways. You know, you've got parents, you've got kids, and you've got the general sports fan. You know, mm-hmm. how's the NCAA managing me as a parent of a high school student that might like to play college basketball? They're not at all. Yeah. You know, I, other, than, other than having to go through the clearinghouse because I'm coaching a football, a basketball team, right. I, you know, I don't have any interaction with them. That's true. You know, the student athlete that's moving forward is only interacted, the only interaction is because they have to. You know, mm-hmm. and then when you're at school, you know, you, you go through, you have definitely, you know, they touch you in different ways. They get, you know, they, they work with you in different ways to coach you on who you can talk to and who you can't talk to and all that kind of stuff. But that stuff's pushed down to the university level and an NCAA representative. Um, but I'm sure the smaller schools that aren't as prolific as, you know, Alabama, they probably don't have that as many people right. working. I mean, you know, how, what infrastructure do you need to have to support your brand and your story and your message? What kind of budget do you have to have? to be able to share that. And then all of a sudden you get beat up for spending the money on advertising yeah. because it should go back to the kids because your stated mission is protecting the kids. Well, and that's, so I, I was going to, I was going to kind of, no, no, I was going to no, kind of touch great. on that. No, it's great. That the perception is that, you know, Hey, like they net a hundred million dollars a year, but you know, they, they, it feels like when we go back, you know, talking about punishments that they dole out or, you know, to universities or to, to it feels somewhat inconsistent. So it, it almost feels like it's not a, you know, a, a billion dollar organization, the way that they make these, these um, decisions. So it, again, it becomes that, that non-standardization of punishment. We talked about this a little bit yesterday. Um, the non-standardization of punishment, like one, you know, a certain kid, you know, receives this funding and he's suspended for the year as opposed to another kid receives this funding and he, you know, he has, he pays back $40 and he's allowed to play in the NCAA tournament. So that discrepancy, this, that, that, you know, um, what's the word, disparity, right. um, it, it, it makes it feel like, you know, who's really running this show and is it really yeah. worthy of a $100 million, you know, net profit? Either? And is it pandering to the haves or the have-nots, too? I mean, right. Where's the money come from and is it greed as opposed to... I mean, you could definitely... So, again, more transparency in those processes and such? You, you feel like it would help the, the brand. It would be, it, it'd be something that, you know, if, if we were consulting with the NCAA, we might... That may be something on the table, you know, more transparency <laughs> and decisions right. and such. Right. So... Um, but one thing I wanted to do, and, and this has been really great, uh, but one thing I wanted to do is kind of go over um, or at least talk really briefly about um, the, the core values. They list seven on their website. Yeah, too um, much. So 
they have they have seven, um, and you know, there's a couple that feel a little bit redundant as I was going through them, and and really, you know, we can kind of look at some of them at a high level and see, you know, if we think uh, this is kind of worthy of their brand or, or fitting of their brand, or if it's uh, as Bo I think just alluded to, maybe a little too much, too little. Um, so the first one is uh, a commitment to the collegiate model of athletics, uh, and and two other ones that I kind of put as sub. Uh, I guess values would be uh, balancing academic and athletic responsibilities, um, and sub- and supporting the role of intercollegiate athletics. Um, I think this is, I think this is kind of, um, honestly, I think this might be part of why the general public has a disdain for the NCAA in some instances because they, you know, amateurism is at the heart of everything they do, but. A lot of people, a lot of critics would say, um, wait, wait, you're, you're making sure that these people stay amateurs while you profit, like Bo mentioned, $100 million. Um, do we think that this value hurts, helps, or is, you know, neutral to, to what the NCAA is trying to accomplish? We could we could spend a couple of hours on that topic, <laughs> right. I'm sure. Yeah, um, I mean, because, again, I, it gets back to, um, you know, if we're just looking at dollars, um, yeah, I mean, the NCAA can promote a sporting event and use, you know, footage of all these great athletes uh, so that people will watch and buy that time, and um, and then the athlete's not making money on that. If you just stop and say, well, that, okay, maybe that's unfair. Um, but on the other hand, um, what is the value of a scholarship? I mean, the, the athletes who are coming in, are they really looking at the value of a scholarship, um, especially not if they can come in for a year and – and not even, not even a year, a yeah. semester, not even have to really go to class um, and, you know, and do get what they want, which is really I just want to be drafted or, you know, play at the next level. Right. Um, so they're just using the university as a stepping stone. And now you've got coaches who, because, you know, they've got the pressure to win um, and the pressure to succeed, saying, okay, well, if that's what I'm up against, then I'm going to go with that and, and run with it the best I can. Um, and then you're trying to put fixes on fixes now. And then if we make a rule change about how many years, I mean, you know, it just it got off the tracks there. I mean, so what's the value of a scholarship? Again, the universities, you know, colleges are providing an opportunity. Um, that's what America is, right? It's an opportunity. You're still expected to then deliver something, you know, take advantage of that. Um, but I think we, you know, right now we just look at, um, you know, that should be, you know, this is the land of guaranteed contracts or guaranteed riches. And so whatever, you know, we've, we, we've allowed coaches to, you know, use smaller jobs as a stepping stone to larger jobs. And they just, you know, hop and skip, you know, to, up the ladder. And it's understood that, well, don't they want to promote themselves? It's just understood, right? We should accept that. Um, okay, but then nothing's being built. You know, as soon as someone takes that job and is there for a year and jumps to the next one, you know, then what happens? Then that, that university or that college has to start all over again. At the same time, there's pressure on, you know, universities when a coach does step in and has some success but then has a, a down year, you know, a football coach that goes 8-3, and three, and there's pressure on them to win. And so that now we got to – that's what I'm saying. That's what's so complicated about it. Everybody on the outside has these demands and these expectations, and they all right. want to paint themselves as victims, you know, and – the NCA is supposed to somehow manage that and make rules that can control all that. Well, I don't know how they're supposed to be able to do that. So it's, I think, again, they have this value to say that we're going to protect, uh, you know, 
I, I, don't, I don't know how they're supposed to do that given the current climate. They may need to revisit their values. Maybe they need to, um, you, know, you know, rethink how they approach that. I 100% agree because, you know, looking back at the values um, and, and thinking about the one question about the single value, you know, are they really value helping this athlete? You know, and you're, you're kind of one and done scenario, mm-hmm. right? I mean, why, if their goal is to protect the student athlete, Technically, four freshmen go to Duke, and they're all one and done, you know, kind of guys or women. Um, uh, are they really student athletes? Right. Good. That's you know, a good I mean, point. at that point, they're not there. They may be there to learn for a year, you know. But you know, my my experience with I'm going to bring up an old Byron Byron Hansbard, you know, plays in the Alamo Bowl his senior year. Now he did go four years. Uh, Heisman, uh, Doug Walker winner, Heisman Award um, contender. Um, you know, they lose the, uh, to Iowa in the Alamo Bowl, and it turns out he's got a zero GPA. You know, I mean. That's a uh, failure. That, but is, that's the failure of the institution. Right. right. They say here, at the bottom of the core values, the last of the 900 core values here, mm-hmm. is presidential leadership. They'll support presidential leadership of intercollegiate athletics, campus, at the campus, conference, and national levels. You know, they are saying, we are going to trust you. We, our job is to help fund and facilitate this working, to give you a set of rules, a common good to work within. But you, university, need to police this. Now, we're starting to see more of that, right? The scandal at Baylor, what happened at Penn State, you know, different places are happening where, you know, the president is being held responsible for these things. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. the NCA quite as much. Right. You know, respect for institutional autonomy, and philosophical res- and uh, philosophical differences. You know, again, what we talked about the disparate nature of the different things. Right. You've got a brand that is associated with sixteen hundred or whatever it is, completely different brands. Right. Right. So part of their mission is respecting that difference. Mm-hmm. Right. So how do you? It's not like you know, we can give to the United Way every year, and everybody knows what the United Way, and it's easy to make that translation. Right. You know, it's like giving to 500 different charities and everybody that associates you knows you through that charity. It's kind of a weird deal, mm-hmm. right? Inclusive culture and supporting the role in the intercollegiate, intercollegiate, I hate that word, athletics plays. I mean, those two things are awesome, right? And I think they have done an amazing job, of, you know, with Title IX, you know, with making sure that people that wouldn't normally have access to that level of athletic play mm-hmm. get access to it. Yeah. Know, the WNBA would not exist Right. You know, if the NCAA hadn't protected women's college basketball, and Jeff and I have had these conversations about, you know, it's kind of fun to watch the women play, right? You know, because they play a pure, you know, there's a discussion about a pure level of basketball, mm-hmm. um, and, a, and a more team oriented, more joyous. People get excited about every play, kind of mm-hmm. basketball um, that wouldn't exist, right? You know, some of these the opportunities, and you think that you extend that out to the kids that wouldn't have an opportunity to go to college. Yeah, you right. know, if they didn't have these things, you know, the the, the access to the, some of these smaller sports, these different kinds of things, um, you know, in sports, pursuit of ex- excellence in both academic and athletics, um, and the highest level of integrity and in sportsmanship and collegiate model of athletics, you know, is at the top one supporting the collegiate model of athletics, you know, by allowing one and done. You know, by by allowing some of the things that they do allow, you know, or 
the universities allow and they don't really, they have no mechanism to hold them completely responsible other than say right. you can't play in our championships. Right. Which just ends up, to Chris's point, ticking everybody off. Mm-hmm. Um, is that really, is that really speaking to the student athlete? Um, I don't know. You know, I mean, and do they have control over that? You know, that, yeah. that, that a university and then eventually a Mike Krzyzewski, you know, is okay with recruiting athletes that are one and done and respecting, you know, their strength and talent. But they're basically using, you know, college athletics as a stepping stone, mm-hmm. you know, purely as a stepping stone. It used to kind of be that way. It was understood. It was kind of a don't ask, hush, don't hush, yeah, don't yeah. ask, don't tell. You know, Johnny's only going right. to be here two or three years playing football. But they did at least stay two or three years. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. it's it's just, you know, hey, my, my only year of college athletics is going to be spent. I mean, when they're accepting on Twitter their scholarship offer, they're almost saying, this is going to be the best year of my life, right. you know? Right. And you're yeah. like, wait a minute, that's not the purpose. So so is the general public then confused, you know? Yeah. And, and do they have control over that? And you don't own your brand, you manage it. You know, the, the perception is, hey, God, mm. I've gone on way too long here, sorry. No, so, we're good. But the perception is, you know, okay, the NCAA doesn't have any teeth. What are they investing? And why is this, you know, they're making all this money and nothing's happening or they're inconsistent. And I think that's the second thing that Chris brought up is really important, the consistency of your brand of, and the standards that you hold are paramount, mm. especially in this, in a, in a chaotic world of millions of different disparate values and beliefs, and you're trying to manage that, you at least need to be consistent. Right, that's And true. I do think if you're going to knock the NCAA, that's absolutely right. it. You know, yeah, a giant problem. Well, right. yeah, with the the consistency thing, we 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 talked with Vikas on a previous episode of the podcast, uh, where he said, you know, one of the most important things to, or not one of the most important, the most important thing to um, creating brand insulation is and creating like you know brand advocates is consistent delivery. So you know, if you're going to be, frankly, if you're going to be mediocre at what you do. Always be mediocre. Consistently be mediocre. <laughs> if you're right. going to be great, always be great. Right. Um, and that's that's what breeds kind of brand loyalty and that brand insulation, which I think NCAA is kind of missing. So that's a good point. Um, well, guys, I, I appreciate the time. Uh, I think I think what we've kind of you know, turned out here, or, or you know, kind of come up with here, is that you know the NCAA, uh, a couple things that are plaguing them is, is a little bit of a lack of transparency and then the consistency piece. So there's you know we could dissect this uh, you know twenty <laughs> well, different ways. Like for Jeff Tuesday. said we could talk about it all. Well, and day. I, I think we could I think we could revisit this in some months in the future because um, there's still going to be fallout, right? Sure. Um, you know we're recording this uh, prior to the Final Four. Uh, right before the Final Four, and, you know, there may be some fallout from that. People were talking about boycotting it. Yeah, that's uh, so emergency so, podcast. Um, let's let's revisit this at, at, a, at a podcast in the future and see if anything has come to light, and um, or if we need to put together a proposal to, you know, rebrand the NCAA. <laughs> so. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> All right, guys, well, thanks. We appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Thank thanks, you. Chris. And that wraps up the latest issue of Solving for B. As always, you can rate our show on Apple Podcasts or Google Play to help your peers discover the program. You can also head to brandextract.com for more branding analysis. We'll catch you next week for another episode of Solving for B with Brand Extract.